we got some work to do. This is the Advanced Scout with Tom Offerman and Matt Williamson. I am Tom Offerman, and with me, as always, former NFL scout Matt Williamson. And Matt, before we dive down deep into the Cincinnati Bengals, the Steelers are in desperate need of a bounce-back performance. Yeah. Usually when the Bengals come to town, that's the one you circle as, yeah, <laughs> pretty good opportunity for a bounce-back here. A little different vibe from this Bengals team this year, though? Uh, maybe. Uh, I, they don't have a, a great winning tradition, as you mentioned <laughs> here, especially under the current coach, Coach Taylor. But I will say that they're healthy. Their defense is playing better than maybe some realize, and they got really hit hard on that side of the ball last year. They spent some money, which is uncharacteristic for them, on defensive players over the last two years. And last year they lost all those guys before the season really got going. So the defense is solid, you know, where it's usually been a liability. I'm a huge Joe Burrow fan. I mean, I think he's the real deal, and Steeler fans can get really tired of playing against him for the next 10 or 12 years. And they got some weapons, so they're not a pushover. Well, we'll definitely get into Joe Burrow in just a little bit here. But as always, before we get to the Bengals, little series history between the Bengals and the Steelers. These two division rivals obviously meet many times, twice a season. Those meetings began back in 1970, and Pittsburgh holds the overall series lead 67-36. to These two teams have only met in the playoffs twice in 2006 and 10 years later in 2016. The Steelers won both of those contests. The Steelers lost the most recent meeting with the Cincinnati Bengals, 27-17. to Ryan Finley getting the upper hand on Pittsburgh in that one. But the Steelers were on an 11-game winning streak before that loss, and the Bengals have won just 10 of the 44 meetings Ouch. that have taken place <laughs> in the 2000s. Tomlin's had a pretty yeah. good track record against most of the teams from Ohio in his career, but something about those Bengals, man, yeah. just has their number. It really does. I, I don't have a lot more to add to it. I mean, th that number since the year 2000 <laughs> is pretty startling, and all you really need to know about recent memory, that's a pretty long stretch. That's startling, and the fact that before the Finley game, they had won 11, 11 straight, straight before that. That's unheard of. It's a little the startling they lost the Finley game, too, by the way. Yes, it is a little startling <laughs> that, that it's not 12 did, straight. Going it, right, it should be, to be honest. But still, that's 11 out of 12 ain't too shabby in the divisional games. Well, let's start with Joe Burrow and that Bengals offense. I think it's an offense that's loaded with skill position uh, yeah. players. I, I think they really do well in those skill position spots. Uh, they love 11 personnel, too. 76% of offensive snaps last year were in the 11 personnel, one tight end, one back, yeah. and at least three receivers on the field. And why wouldn't you when you have those three-headed monsters of right. Higgins, Chase, and Tyler Boyd at that position? Right, and, and they replaced A.J. Green with Jamar Chase, and it's a massive upgrade in my opinion. And yes. not, not, you got a ton younger, of course. That's what they want to do. Taylor comes from the Rams in the McVay system, which early in the McVay system – they always led the league in 11 personnel. You know, it was always three receivers on the field. Uh, the Bengals are following suit. And their three receivers are very good. You know, Boyd, I'm sure people are familiar with, not only playing the Steelers, but his pit background. He's the consummate slot guy, reliable, you know, not super flashy, tough, plays hard. Chase has been the big play guy, you know, and Higgins is kind of the do-it-all player, and he got better in his second year. So it is a, a formidable group. And just one little note here, too, about personnel. You know, unlike the Steelers or most teams that will bring in a variety of tight ends, a fullback, use, you know, they really only play with, like, 12 guys. <laughs> you know, in the offense, you see the same bodies out there a lot. 
Yeah, they played the bulk of the snap against the Bears, those 12 guys. This yeah. week. There's a lot of continuity on that offense, especially yeah. when it comes to the skill position players and that trio of wide receivers. Higgins, Chase, and Boyd all saw at least 48 snaps out of the possible 55 that Cincinnati's offense ran against the Bears. So you're absolutely going to see a lot of those three on the same Sunday. Guys. And yeah, unfortunately, same true with the running back situation, too. No like, question. Mixon we'll just to dominates in, in a minute yeah. here, but he, yeah. he does not come off the field. No. Uh, those three guys, Chase, Higgins, and Boyd, the Steelers obviously dealing with injuries in their secondary, Joe Hayden with the groin, uh, causing people to bump up on the depth chart. you got to be a little bit worried because I think that this receiving core has a little bit of the elements that the Raiders did, but I think it's just a little bit better. Honestly. Yeah, I 100% agree. They but, don't have the Waller, of course. Of course, but, but the Higgins reminds you of the Rugs. you got a Renfro yeah. kind of guy, and Boyd better than Renfro is it, Tyler he Boyd. Is. He's and more accomplished. Jamar there. Chase is the one that is just the X factor. That, that's yeah. the best receiver they're going to see. He's most uh, talented. Since Stephon Diggs in week one. Right, right, right. But he's no. in that class of receiver. He's a rare prospect, dominated the SEC as a 19-year-old two years ago and then opted out. I mean, he was the better player between him and Justin Jefferson at LSU with Burrow, of course, his Burrow Jeez. connection. is, And Justin Jefferson tore up the league last year what as a rookie. I mean, unbelievable, yeah. yeah. So enough said on those guys. I mean, they speak for themselves. They're only getting better. They're young, a lot like the Steelers group trio, to be honest with you. I mean, in terms of bright futures and all that good stuff, too. So, yeah, they're scary. And you mentioned the Hayden injury. I hadn't thought about this angle a lot yet, but the cornerback depth will be tested, of course, for the Steelers. But because they're in three wide so much, maybe the D-tackle, D-line depth you get away with for another week a little bit more. Well, my only concern would be there is stopping Joe Mixon right. with that defensive line depth being tested. Joe Mixon already second in the league this year in rushing yards. The only running back to have gained more is King Henry in Tennessee. 196 yards on the ground for the Bengals' leading rusher last season. And like you said just a, a few minutes ago, he plays almost all of the snaps in yeah. this offense. In week one, he played 70, 78% of Cincinnati's offensive snaps in the opener and last week he was the only Bengals running back that carried the football for them against the bears one odd thing against the bears and maybe you credit this to the bears getting up early in that game so they went pass heavy but in week one in their win against the vikings they ran the ball 53 percent of the time 60 percent of those on first down week two the Bengals only ran the ball 37 percent of the time so they kind of got away from their strength there again bears went up early in that game so you want to try to pass the ball, but it's not like they were up by an eternity. It was only no, like seven. No, it was a tight game, yeah. right. That is noteworthy, and because I've really been aware of that. First of all, after week one, Mixon had more touches than anyone in the league, and then the next week he's the only one that rushed the ball for the whole team, not even a quarterback sneak. He's that Val Calvin. He yeah. absolutely is. You know, And people were flabbergasted by Najee playing 100% of the snaps in week one, which they should be. Mixon playing 76 is a high, high number, you know, which just shows <laughs> right. you how impressive 100 is. I mean, that's the, that's a bell cow role. Um, the reason I think that run pass percentage is really noteworthy with this team was, frankly, they threw the ball way too much in Burroughs' rookie year. I mean, it's not the only reason he got hurt, but he took a beating behind a suspect offensive line and a very high pass percentage. So coming off his knee injury, I was really conscious of, are they going to dial it back, you know, run the ball more? And in week one, they did. In week two, they didn't as much. I mean, I think they want to throw the ball to those three receivers a high percentage, but they're probably better off with a little more balance. I wonder if the success they had in week one 
and Burrow looking really good in week one. Yeah, I mean, he started yeah. that game off like 17 for 19 or something insane. Yeah. I wonder if that got into Zach Taylor's head and said, you know what, he's a little ahead of schedule. Let's, go. let's air this thing out a little bit more. Yeah. It, it bit them on the road in Chicago week two. Yeah, I mean, because protection's still a problem. Oh, yeah, you no know, much. their lines may be better, but it's still at the bottom of the league. Um, and the one thing that popped up last week is Burrow's been really good. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he's really good without with not not throwing interceptions. But he threw three last week, you know. So he, he had just five interceptions over eleven games before the game against as the Bears. a rookie, and you know, before threw, his injury, threw, right? And he had something like two hundred and twenty-two straight pass attempts before without a pick, throwing those three okay. in a row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they were in a row, one, two, three against the Bears. <laughs> one yeah. of them taken to the house, which really swung that game in the Bears' uh, favor. That was probably the biggest play of the game, of yeah, course. No Roquan Smith taken into the house. But in general, don't just look at it and, oh, he's a young quarterback, turns the ball over a lot. That's really not his DNA. He's very accurate. He's smart. And I actually think his arm strength's gotten a little better since a year ago, too. So you wouldn't bet on that kind of becoming a trend and something the Steelers could build off of is those three interceptions. That's no. more of an outlier in your I mind. I think it's more of an outlier. But, I mean, any quarter – they again, they asked too much of him as a rookie – Mixon's should be the straw that serves the drink on the in the whole offense, but you know the Burrow Chase Higgins Boyd combination is pretty alluring too. So their skill guys are strong. With Joe Burrow, it's all about just recovering from that devastating injury that cut his rookie year short. Obviously, physically he is over the ACL tear, but. That's a mental hurdle that you have to get over in the NFL yeah. as well. And one thing that it's early, so this sample size, it's not there yet. Right, right. Last year, he averaged 14.2 rushing yards per game. That's mm-hmm. not like Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. No, but over stretch, the course of 16, right. It gets you a big first down every once in a while. Absolutely, a he's a good athlete. He has barely run the ball. from. He has only one rushing attempt for just two yards in the two games he's played in 2021. Right. So maybe that's a little bit of that mental hurdle creeping into his mind or the Bengals coaching staff mind and saying, hey, dude, let's let's – Let's stay yeah. in the pocket, throw the ball away. Let's not try to make too much happen. I don't think that's fluky numbers. Like you said, it's a small sample size, but I think that's a I don't trust my knee 100%, and I'm sure coaching staff has said when in doubt, throw it away. Um, it's not like he's moving poorly or favoring it, but you're right, it's a mental hurdle. I mean, especially in the pocket. I mean, the running stuff aside, when you got big human beings falling around your feet and you got to keep right. your eyes downfield, I mean, just put yourself in their shoes for a minute and you don't trust that knee that hurt like crazy and failed you before, you know. So uh, I do think him as a runner isn't a thing of the past, but is by design not happening much. Because he used to, you know, you play man coverage, he would slide and get six yards and hurt, right. you know, break your back with smart runs. Yeah, and in your mind with Joe Burrow, I think he's still on track to be a very good NFL quarterback. What's the things he needs to really improve on, though, to take that next step forward? I I mentioned his arm strength, and it's not going to improve. It got better this past year, but he's never going to be a Stafford, Josh Allen, gun-the-ball type of guy. And when they drafted him, my only concern was this area of the country – you get weather and wind and, you know, stuff late in the year. How will he handle that? And unfortunately, got injured in his rookie year, so he hasn't had to deal with it yet. So that's a small thing. Um, really, I like the player. I mean, poise, toughness, leadership, the mind, the accuracy. I don't see big flaws in his game. Uh, I do kind of have a saying that I talk about a lot, though, is it, it takes a village to raise a quarterback. 
the village he went to is a little scary. <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> you a little know shaky I mean? with their quarterback little history. Yeah, right, right. Gotta go all the way back to Boomer Esiason. Right. He really got that successful quarterback play. But he definitely looks like a franchise guy. He checks all yes. those boxes. Now, before we move on to the defense, one last note offensively. We talked about Jamar Chase. I think he's going to be a great player in this league. He's already proving that so far. He's got two touchdowns in his first two games. But the Bengals ignore that line in the draft by going with Jamar Chase, an area that was already kind of a strength with yeah. Higgins and Boyd, and they pass on Penny Sewell to take Jamar Chase. Penny Sewell finding his way to Detroit now right. to protect Jared Goff was a slam-dunk offensive line prospect that the Bengals chose to pass on. I don't know if you can call that a mistake this early on, but it's a questionable team-building move. It is, and it's been scrutinized to no end throughout the offseason, and I get it, and I'm not, you know— trying to ride the fence or ignore the question, I didn't think there was really a wrong answer, to be very honest with you. Well, Jamar Chase has proven them. Right. You know, he's like, a rare prospect, He's a top-five pick. And yeah. he's a starter. I mean, they, three receivers play all the time for them. The Burrow connection, I think, is big as well as acclimating this guy, not only to the offense, but to life in the NFL and where to get Skyline Chili in Cincinnati. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just the, 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 the personal sides of things, too. And Sewell's a great prospect, too, but their tackles were better off than their guards and centers on in, on draft day, too. So it, you'd have to bump Jonah Williams inside or Riley Reef, and, th- and their tackles aren't bad. It's the center guard situation that's more suspect. But still vulnerable in those tackles for They're Mel- not great. Melvin Ingram, Highsmith, oh, who's yeah. can get back on track. You're right. The I mean, they're professional the... tackles, and frankly, Jonah Williams will be the best offensive lineman in this game. Um, but none of them are superstars or anything. Right. I mean, no, the Steelers still have an advantage up front. Don't have to worry about them shutting down Ingram. I don't think so. I mean, even if Watt nature. doesn't play, I mean, I still think the Steelers' front is better than theirs. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the Bengals have an improving defense a little earlier on in this podcast. And as opposed to the offense, the defense plays a lot of different players. You know, we they do. mentioned that continuity on the offensive side with 12 players playing the majority of the snaps. 20 different players saw action in the Bengals game versus Chicago on the defensive side of the ball. It's like a revolving door, but it didn't really hinder them at all because I think as far as expectations are concerned, they're exceeding them through the first two games, this Bengals defense. They're really floating around the top ten in every category. They are. You know, just even – I was just looking at it a minute ago, that even just points against, you know, the Steelers and – They're right there. Uh, They're right next to each other. other. Right. There's only like seven or eight teams that are better in terms of points allowed this year. Yeah, everyone expects the Steelers to be there, but nobody expects the Bengals to be there. Right. You know, and, and the Vikings and Bears aren't, you know, total bottom feeders either. I mean, they're not the best two offenses in the league, but – and part of that was they went to overtime. So they played nine quarters, not eight, you know, so that's noteworthy too. They don't have a lot of brand-name defenders. I mean, they don't have star power I there, was just going to say that. You know? They're lacking that star. They that are. identity. Yeah. But they're young enough that I think that that can still be a homegrown kind of deal. Yeah, you're right. And, they, again, they spent some money on in free agency over the years on Trey Waynes and DJ Reader and then Hendrickson recently. But they lost Lawson and William Jackson in free agency, who were two of their better defenders. Um, the, the One name to mention, I think, is their best defensive player, is Bates, the safety. Yes. A really good player. Takes the ball away with some consistency. Versatile. Can handle the deep middle to cover two. He's somebody to be aware of. But you're right. I mean, I think it's noteworthy that 20 defenders played meaningful snaps. That's a big number. And, you know, the Steelers played a lot of defenders these past two weeks. 
but not not that many. You and, know, and so it's, they keep them fresh. And it's not like the Bengals had some disastrous performance defensively against Chicago. No, they only gave right. up 13 points. Of course, seven of Chicago's points coming from the Joe Burrow pick six. Uh, you mentioned Trey Hendrickson. Uh, you said Jesse Bates is probably the best player, probably the highest profile around the league right now is probably Trey Hendrickson at this point. Probably. Maybe Jesse Bates is starting to bark down his neck a little bit as far as that's concerned. But yeah, Hendrickson I, had a lot of sacks last year. And the guy, you're talking about them going out and spending money. This is a big guy that they brought out and, and brought in. He replaces Carl Lawson, who led the team in sacks last year with five and a half. But Trey Hendrickson had 13 and a half sacks last season for the Saints. Mm-hmm. So that's a massive improvement in that one area there. He's it off is. to a good start, too. One and a half sack this year with a yeah. forced fumble. And, and I'm not cutting on the guy at all. I bet 13 and a half sacks is his career high. I mean, he's not a special Bengals physical Bengals are getting specimen. him on the downhill now. I mean, he's not, he's not old. He's coming off his first contract. I just don't think he's a, Reach the peak. a, a special okay. bender, explosion guy. Really plays hard and is a good football player. I just don't think he's – if he was a Steeler, he wouldn't be playing a ton of snaps. <laughs> you know what I mean? Their edge guys are awesome, you know. Absolutely. Now factor in the fact, though, that he's going up against the Steelers' tackles sure. in this game. Sure, he's going to cause problems. That makes him a different – No of, question that, about he's it. He's definitely no. going to be a problem in He is game. a problem, yeah. I mean, he's a good football player. I, I just don't know that he's going to be a double-digit sack guy year after year. But he has the advantage of the Steelers' tackles, that's for sure. Well, one thing the Bengals desperately needed to improve upon is their run defense last year. They averaged 5.8 yards per carry when the opponent was in 11 personnel. That's those three wideouts on the field. That was the worst in the league last year. Steelers offense, at least so far in 2021, operates out of 11 personnel 78% of the time. Uh, Bengals did show improvement in the rush defense so far. They're 11th in the league right now. They Mm -hmm. average only 95 yards per game. Uh, Dalvin Cook, one of the better running backs in the the league. They did a really good job shutting him down in week one. And now they get to face the 32nd best run defense in, or run offense, offense, excuse me, in the NFL with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And yeah, they say 32nd best with tongue in cheek. And I'll be honest, I mean, it, it reminds me a little of a week ago when we got together because I looked at the Raiders defense. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, uh, the whole offseason thinking this defense is terrible. I'm pretty sure the Bengals the worst team yards per carry when the opponent was in 11. I think the Raiders were the second worst team. Yeah, they, they uh, averaged like 5.6 yards per carry. Yeah, and I was thinking even just more of a big picture like I looked at the Raiders defense like boy it's been bad every year there's not a lot of big name dudes it's still going to be terrible but I think we should be very open to the idea that all three of these Steelers opponents defensively I mean did you see what the Bills did to the Dolphins in week one Uh, destroyed them first shot out of the season first shot out of the season sacks galore and you know I think I'm open to the idea that the Raiders defense is much improved the Bengals defense might be much improved from what we're used to as well so I'm not excusing the Steelers' offensive woes or the rushing attack that you mentioned that's at the bottom of the league. But we might look back at the season and be like, man, those first two games and maybe even that third game were against tougher defenses than we realized at the time. With that being said, you still want to go with that running game as your main plan of the attack if you're a Steelers' offense. It seems to be the best way of going at the Bengals especially because that pass defense, it's off to a good start, too. They're ninth in the league. They only allow 209.5 yards per game in their first two games. And we'll talk about Jesse Bates here because I think he's obviously ascending to become a star in this league, like Mm -hmm. you said. But Von Bell, I think, is a very good compliment in the back end as well. And like you mentioned, going out and getting Trey Wayans, they've improved their cornerback room uh, over the offseason as well. Healthier. Mike Hilton's there now in the slot. I mean – Again, Apple's a guy they brought in to be a depth piece. Again, not household names, much like the Raiders, 
but they're healthy. And they play them, like we said. And they play them. All, and they play in. a lot of guys. They stay fresh. So it's definitely an improved defense. That pass defense, though, I don't know, especially with he did Ben did throw the ball down the field more in week two than he did, he did. in week one. That being said, I don't know what secondary. Jonathan Abram, yeah, he's okay in, in Vegas, but I think this secondary is a little bit better this week, and that's why I think I, tend I, to agree. I lean more towards that run the football. Najee Harris, that's your game plan. That's your main plan of attack. Yeah. You just haven't seen it from the Steelers. So I far. know. And, again, I'm not avoiding this question either. I just don't know what the identity of the offense is. You know, what's I. the go-to? It's hard to tell. Yeah. You know, what's the go-to stuff? What's your bread and butter that works? I mean, I, I really think something that's hurting this team, and it really goes back to last year, is if you just look at the, the heat map of where Ben's throwing the ball, it's all within the first couple yards, and then there's some real deep shots down the sidelines. But there's a big portion of the field in the passing game in the middle of the field that they don't attack enough. And because of that, there's a lot of bodies near the line of scrimmage, and that makes running the ball that much harder too. And it's a, a chicken or the egg situation. So... Ideally, I'd love to see Fryer move, Juju, whoever, you know, 15 yards down the middle of the field between the numbers with some early completions and then start running the ball once you get back those guys up a little bit. Before we put a bow on this podcast, a couple of key matchups that you have your eye on in this one, the first being the Bengals' offensive line versus the Steelers' defensive front. Obviously, the Steelers' defensive front will be dealing with injuries. I'm not sure what T.J. Watt's status will be. We know Tyson Alu won't be out there. Alex Highsmith's status is now a little bit up in the air. You see that being a big-time matchup in this game. Yeah, it's hard to comment on Steelers' health up front. You know, unfortunately, no to it and Alu-Alu. Who knows what's going on with Watt and Highsmith at this point, too, when we record this. But it's absolutely – and. Tom, we're probably going to say this every week. I mean, assuming health is a factor, the Steelers' front has an advantage over everyone they play. And, and they did in that Raiders game until uh, Watt went down. Without question. Yeah. I mean, without question. I mean, it's, it's, it's undeniable. And the, the Bengals' offensive line, as many are, like the Steelers, is a work in progress. I mean, there's just not enough good offensive linemen to go around in this league, and the Steelers capitalize on it you know, week after week. Hopefully injuries don't derail that. And finally, the last key matchup you're looking at, Steelers quarterback Ben Roethlisberger versus that free safety for the Bengals, Jesse Bates. He, like you said, could very well be the Bengals' best defensive player. Yeah. He's only missed one snap so far in 2021. So that dude, yeah. all Durable. the people that are moving uh, yeah. in and out on the defense, Jesse Bates is the one that stays right he quarterbacks there. Quarterbacks the yep. secondary. I don't want to say he's Minka because I think Minka's the best safety in the league, but he's one of those safeties where you might think twice thrown his way. You know, he's got – Three interceptions every year he's been in the league, which, you know, and, and now he's got a reputation and he, he attacks the ball well. He's versatile. Ben just needs to be aware of him. I mean, it's not like, boy, we can't ever throw his, his way, but, you know, you got to be aware of him. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Advanced Scout. Thanks, as always, for giving us a listen. Apple, Spotify, Steelers.com, wherever you find your podcast, we are really appreciative of you lending your ears to our voices. For Matt Williamson, I am Tom Offerman. Steelers look to bounce back against the Bengals at Heinz Field this Sunday, and we will talk to you on the Advanced Scout next week.